Yeah, yeah, this is DRS, Broken English Gang, Manchester for life. Yo, this is TRAC. Hey, this is Colette Warren. Hi, this is Cleveland Watkins. This is Diligent Fingers. So, hey, this is Deg. Yo, this is Connie Khan from Children of Zeus. This is MC Copper. Yo, this is Inja, representing Valiant MC. And I'm chilling out with Valiant right now. You know, in tune to Valiant MC. You're listening to Valiant MC. With Valiant MC. And you're listening to Valiant MC. The man like Valiant MC. Got on the vocal. 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 And you're locked into the vocal. So make sure you get your dial tune you know, 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 And it could take us back New school player with a old song But we ain't waiting on the game to pass back Real is just expected My people way cooler, our sickle has been perfected Don't worry baby, I'ma take it slow Cause when it's on love, there ain't no faking man
Yeah, what's up, cool London? I am Valiant MC, and this is The Vocal. This is episode 8, and although it is new to cool London, the show did exist as a podcast over the course of the past year, where I interviewed people like DRS and Cleveland Watkins and MC Kappa, Deggs, Colette Warren, MC Track, Inja, and Connie Khan from Children of Zeus. So when the opportunity came to move the show to cool London, you better believe I jumped at that chance. The first track that we heard was courtesy of one of our very special guests today, Armani Rain, along with Logam and Mayhem. It's a track called We Will. It was released, I believe, in 2015 on Ram. We're going to hear more from Armani Rain, as well as an in-depth conversation with the man later in the show. In the meantime, by the way, the track underneath me right now is called Relic by a young Toronto producer signed to Hospital Records in med school who goes by the name of Polaris. And if you're not familiar, you need to go check him out as soon as possible. Interestingly, this track is a little bit different from what he usually puts out, which is more epic in scale, but listen to the way this beat kind of switches up. Check it. On the vocal, ironically enough, I do not MC, I simply host the show. But you better believe I'm going to be playing some of my own music. It's my show and my rules. Also in this episode, we've got a little check-in with MC Kappa, who talks to us about his activities with L33 as Lights Out. They've had a few releases already, and they've got another one coming out on December 2nd. Cop is going to tell us all about that. After that, I'm going to play some of the best in vocal drum and bass. And I definitely play a number of tunes from the guests that I interview in that episode. And then the second half of the episode is my in-depth interview with my special guest of the evening. And like I said before, it's going to be Armani Rain, who, if you are not familiar... He's one of the elite MCs to come out of North America. And his resume is a mile long. He's toured with Goldie, Fotec, DJ Craze, Andy C, Kenny Ken, DJ SS, and he has one of the most distinctive voices on the mic. He continues to put out drum and bass and hip hop and dubstep. He tours regularly with Bro Safari, who works with 12th Planet, STS-9. He does voiceovers for video games. He is a renaissance man on the microphone, ladies and gentlemen. Currently, you can hear Armani Rain as well as a number of other American MCs on Bellyman's Car Bars. Involved Armani and myself, as well as MC's Dre, 
Woes, Astro, Josiah Scribes, Zizo, and of course MC Track. You can check that out on YouTube or Facebook where I believe we're approaching something like 90,000 views collectively. So we're pretty proud of that one. In the meantime, I hope you stick with us and listen to the conversations because the most interesting part of drum and bass is the people behind drum and bass making the music. And that's why I started this show. I wanted people to get to know the people behind the voices of drum and bass. So without further ado, we're going to get into the conversation with MC Kappa. And then into the music. Cool London, this is the vocal. The thing that you're uh, preoccupied with is Lights Out. So explain to people who are not familiar what Lights Out actually is. Well, um, Lights Out kind of just originated from, like, I've been working with um, Dan Free for like a couple of years anyway. We're both part of the um, E-Brain family and everything. And we've had collaborations back and forth. And um, the whole kind of like lights out thing started because um, there was a version of a track for an EP of L33 on E-Brain. And the really, really long story short is he had like a, an accident one summertime and his laptop got damaged. And the original version of the song, which he played on a few big like festivals in Europe, and it had got recorded and everybody was asking about that song, that's, that Lights Out song, that Lights Out song. Now, after his laptop got damaged, that version was no longer around. So he had to like rebuild a new version and Jade wanted the new version instead of the, you know, the emulation of the old version. So the new version was released and everybody was asking, where's that Lights Out VIP version? So wait, hold on. So the VIP version, was that the old one that no longer existed? Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, okay. Like, uh, yeah. uh, And for literally like about one and a half years, man, like nonstop almost like every like other day, people will be asking, where's Lights Out VIP? Where's Lights Out VIP? Because of these um, these stream sets that were that it, it was in from like a year and a half ago, so then it got to the point where I was like, "Look, we should maybe dig back and try and you know find like this old version and bring it to life again." And um, after a lot of digging and, and convincing um, him, basically, we managed to get the lights out VIP version um, ready and available for free download and it really kicked off man so how, everybody would how different were the two versions it was a different drop man you know the one that jade preferred um it was it was less techy maybe and so like um yeah and 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 we released this one as a free download and then you know the idea came like well why don't we kind of like do a, a mix to you know support this release and so we decided to do this celebration mix you know l33 and, and copper present lights out mix podcast yeah now then we were like well why don't we like you know why don't we do some more tunes and you know we'll just see where it goes and then we had the idea of like doing this lights out kind of show whereby it's us presenting our collaboration and so it went from like a free download to a idea of you know like a dj mc show combo to then doing some tunes 
together as Lights Out. So then it became like a project. We had the idea of, well, you know, why don't we, you know, do a label to Lights Out Audio to release some of our stuff in between our other label scheduling. So all this kind of happened within like two weeks, basically. Uh, why present it as like a sort of a group identity as opposed to just being L33 and and Kappa? You guys had collaborated before this, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. so how now now how is this? Is there a particular sort of like flavor that you're sort of going for under the lights out moniker? Yeah, well, you know, we both have our own individual, like, styles. You know, L33 brand is, you know, very much kind of entrenched in, you know, techie, neurofunk, e-brain, you know, kind of arena. Mine is, like, all over the place. Like, I'm doing all kinds of, of, of drum and bass and all the vibes. But when we get together, it's just a vibe, man. Like, it, it, it works instantly. We kind of, I don't know, we intuitively get each other's parts um it's the same vibe that we have when we hook up on a live you know like combination two as well and with this project lights out you know there there, there are kind of styles and avenues that dan as l33 can't really explore because of his his signature sound and and like branding and every collaboration that me and him have done even as, you know, like L33 and MC Copper has always been like a next wave away from, you know, what he normally does and what I normally do. So it definitely made sense to kind of, you know, bring it under a new kind of moniker. And then it also allows us the freedom to kind of um, push different sonic boundaries. Okay. Like this next release we have, like, is something completely like different to what he's done before and also even like as far as like my sound goes also and we wouldn't have been able to do that as you know l33 and an mc copper gotcha so how how would you describe the difference between lights out and what he normally does and how would you describe the difference between lights out and maybe what you normally do for starters the difference between what he does is L33 and, and lights out is that I'm I'm on it all the time. You know, this is the main kind of, you know, difference as in it's not like a random sporadic, you know, here and there collaboration. It's like a continued collaboration whereby a lot of the ideas are bounced between us. He's like, yeah, I've got this beat, you know, do you want a feature or, you know, me, you know, saying do you want to do a beat for you know this album you know everything's kind of got its own kind of lights out stamp on it right so do you uh do you sit in in the studio with him at all or is it is it still kind of a um he'll pass you something you'll pass him a vocal he'll finish the tune around it or no like it's it's a very kind of um he's still based in where is he based <laughs> he's based in Bulgaria. Right. I'm I'm currently based like in 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 Berlin at the moment. So like a lot of the the ideas are, for example, I have a vocal idea and a melody. I will send the bare bones over to him. He will work out a sketch, send it back, and you know then we'll kind of develop it back and forth this way. We do get the opportunity when I'm in Bulgaria or like if he's over this way to like you know sit in and brainstorm, but very much of the time, like the actual physical process is done um, 
from there and over here, basically. So, so what do you have in the pipeline? What's coming up? We have a new release, a new single uh, on our label, Lights Out Audio, which is going to drop on, let me check, December the 2nd. Um, this is featuring a really, really talented vocalist and singer-songwriter called Mariana Ray. She's uh, based in Greece, um, and we linked up with her about a month ago. I've been doing some work with her anyway for my Copper Live project, which is next year. Um, hush, hush, hush. Um, but we, <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you to talk about that a little bit before we go. But anyway, <laughs> after I said it, I was like, oh god, <laughs> why did I even? <laughs> but yeah, so we worked with her on this single called Let Go. Um, it's very kind of um, musical and very kind of epic um, intro and, you know, chords and vocal style and stuff. Um, and we have a, another track with that as well called Serenity, which is very much kind of a further extension of our typical lifestyle. Mine is in hysteria, conversating with myself, I wonder if I'm hearing her. I'm wondering if I'ma lose the plot Embezzling my thoughts, I'ma take it off the top uh, Top of the world, man Look, no hands, I come from lands well lost And a time pass gone, the pain We let them hear it in the songs The whole kind of release is a deviation from, you know, our last one Which was a uh, three-track EP on Eat Brain called Roads of Rage and stuff which was, you know, us kind of giving people more of what they would typically expect from Lights Out, you know, like right. due to our affiliation and everything. So, but um, on Lights Out Audio, we can kind of push the envelope a bit more. Yeah, like um, this is the beginning of a new kind of um, Lights Out perspective. So, we actually had our, our first release full stop was actually on um, Lights Out Audio two-track release in, don't quote me on this, I think it was June. Two tracks that was, one was called Sorcery and one was called Seals. Uh, that kind of kicked off the project and then we went straight from that into a EP on eBrain. And um, we also just released a track on the Korshikov compilation. Uh, that track was called Potent and that got debuted on BBC Radio 1 as well. You're on. You're on another track on that compilation, right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Me personally, I'm on another track with um, Urban Dub and Tony Anthem. Um, with Lights Out, do you think that there will ever be a, an album in the future? Um, yes, definitely. We just really started the project to test the water, and the water was very hot, man. So <laughs> everything's kind of just just um blowing up so an album definitely next year is yeah that is i kind of like that 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 uh that methodology of just working with one producer for a release and so i was i'm kind of seeing a pattern where people are doing that more and more um so i 
I uh, was kind of hoping, I was hoping that there would be an album in the future out of you guys. That that concept definitely works, man. And it and it kind of, I don't know, it it feels more like how it should be. Yeah, I would agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Plus, it's not as much frustration like trying to wrangle a whole bunch of producers for one album. Um, the last time we talked, you talked about getting all these producers. It took like over a year, year and a half, I think, to get your album together. Dealing with other people can be such an X factor. Sometimes it's really, really good to explore a bunch of stuff with just one person or one or two people. I like your, 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 it's such an X factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know what you're going to get. Um, yeah. 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 So, so, and it's a lot easier to chase one person than 12. Oh, absolutely. So going forward now, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Cop Alive the last time we talked very, like very briefly and then you just kind of did it again. So without, you don't have to give away like what you're planning, but talk about the, I don't know, the kind of the goal of copper live, if you will. It's more of, um, allowing myself to kind of express a lot more of the, um, musicality and actual content that I actually have, which is, is quite difficult to to translate over somebody else's drum and bass concepts, if you know what I mean. Right, because right. you are you are like known as you know very identified with the modern neuro movement, which you know not a bad thing. But sometimes, like you know, people will expect a certain thing out of you. So I'm guessing this is something to where you can explore more outside of that realm. I mean, are you going to be doing stuff that's like not drum and bass? Yes, yes. Uh, Ooh, okay. We have some hip hop also, and uh, we also have some kind of electronic um, glitch hop as well. So, like, it is predominantly drum and bass, but the main difference is like all the concepts are started here, basically. And the producers involved, they kind of come in at a later stage after we've done the writing and the composition so you're so, you're, so like, you're you're songwriting here then basically this is exactly what i'm talking about oh excellent okay so are you going to be uh trying for live instrumentation or are you going to be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i like how cool you're trying to be at this point i have to evoke my fifth amendment rights i love that people who are not american invoke the fifth amendment that is so funny to me uh so at the very least then can you tell us when you think we might be seeing this come to fruition um definitely 2020 in between that time though i i actually and this is something that i can talk about uh, is i actually have a album scheduled for koshikov you'll be getting that first okay um we're looking like for early spring so what are we uh what are we talking here are we uh can you name can you name drop anybody that you worked with or anything you are particularly excited about when it comes to this album it's very much in the vein of my traditional copper album so it's like you know a there'll be 12 different producers um varying styles you know some neurofunky techy stuff a little bit of that you know the rollers also um some half tempo as well and obviously you know some some power liquid <laughs> you know what i mean dude power um, liquid i like that 
I ripped that phrase from someone off of the internet, but I love it, man. Like power liquid, man. It's just dope. Whoever is on the internet and could be listening to this, please, please drop me a line. I want to, I like that. <laughs> that would be, that, that should be seriously, that should be a slogan on a shirt. All right. So, you know, one thing I actually, would, I wanted to ask you the last time and I didn't was, yeah. uh, do you have any plans to work with other MCs? Yes, 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 yes. Or, the thing with the one aspect of the Copper Live thing is a lot more collaboration. Like, uh, we have a lot of other vocalists as well and a couple of uh, MCs in there too as well. So, like, you know, it is it is very much a collaborative venture because the, the thing with drum and bass as a, you know, like a general thing, getting more than one person, two people on a song, it's... It's quite difficult and then to keep it dance floor orientated, there's such thing as too much vocal for the DJs. You're clearly very brand conscious, um, which that's kind of the way things are today. And you are also obviously very focused on um, making music that DJs are going to play. Um, you know, you don't have features really on your albums. Is that a deliberate choice or is it one of those things that you are... Um, you're doing just because it's easier and it's easier to keep a dance floor that way. Or is it because you want to present things exactly your way? Um, have you got, and had, have you gotten any feedback from labels in terms of like, Hey, we'd like to see more features or they'd like to see something different. What's how, tell, tell me about your, your approach to that. I've done two LPs. Um, the first LP I did on my own label, uh, that was 2000. And I pretty much did that the way I felt like I wanted to do it. But intuitively, it kind of was a mixture of DJ friendly and, you know, kind of vocal forward, as you say. Um, the second album was I did on, on audio porn. And that was a different experience because I, I completely A&R'd the first album alone. The second album as it was with audio porn, you know, um, I wasn't the final end station for, you know, decisions on if a tune worked or if there was, you know, too much of this or too little of that. So um, with that, it was very much kind of had to concede quite a little bit sometimes in terms of keeping things DJ friendly. It is important because ultimately if you want to, you know, like have a, drum and bass record that is played in the clubs you do need the dj support so there are certain things that you have to kind of rules you have to kind of you know follow to an extent so with that lp it was very much uh trying to find the right balance um with my new stuff as far as the say the copper live goes like i'm very much kind of doing it not necessarily to aim for the djs like it's it's very much a kind of a song first concept. So you basically had a lot of a, a lot of label input on that last album, then. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to, I don't mean it to sound like it's something where you are compromising your vision or anything. I just oh, mean no. that the label kind of knows what they would like to put out, and they offered notes. I guess you could say. Well, well, they were very accepting of you know like everything. There was only a couple of tunes that got shot down. And th there were some suggestions on, you know, where to place, you know, vocals, you know, on a few things. But pretty much after, you know, the first kind of back and forth, 
I got it. And so like, you know, I wouldn't bring anything after that point that I wasn't like 99% sure would work out. All right, dude. Well, look, you, uh, you take care of yourself and, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Nice one, man. And thank you for the, for the invitation to chat, man. It's a oh, pleasure man. as always. Always. Man. Definitely. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Peace out. Yes, indeed. Out the box, we're coming with Dance with the Devil by Lights Out. That is L33 and MC Kappa. Loving this one, so check it out. This is the vocal. Come on! Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the dance with the with the devil with the devil. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. Dance with the devil, gonna end up in his wrath. If you can't beat them, join them. That's the motto with these frauds. We've been touring abroad, now we the force to be reckoned with. Gone in 60 seconds, now kill him in a second, quick. Flip the room upside down just to make the record spin. Hyper like a viper with its eyes upon the prey. We be striking like a fighter, kind of Cassius Clay. It's written in the stars, we the ones they admire. We ring the alarm. We set the players on fire. Again, that was Dance with the Devil by Lights Out, which is L33 and Kappa. And up next, we've got a 
track from one of the more exceptional producers out there. His name is Tier Kahoot, featuring Anastasia, who is easily becoming one of the premier vocalists in drum and bass. This track is called Schema. This is the vocal. How do I make changes to my mind frame? I don't want to make the same mistakes.
coming in next, we've got a track from Random Movement called Living in a Dream, off of what I consider to be possibly the album of the year, Lost on Purpose. And this features the one and only TRAC MC track. So check this, this is the vocal. In a place to grow till you ace and blow. I haste for a fiend, the taste of the glorious. What this part of the story is victorious, some thoughts they call illogical. Impossibilities are possible. Now your name gleams across the mainstream. The daydream that became a made dream.
Now, there have been a number of bootlegs and remixes of Wiley's track, Boasty, with Stefan Don, Sean Paul, and Idris Elba, but this one is my favorite one. It is by the American production duo of Quadrant and Iris, and they put the neurofunk into this one. So check it out, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal. Cause I'm bossy, bossy, bossy Godfather, man a OG Man a half humble, man a bossy Finger rag a rhythm like it's so free Bossy, house on the coast G My money's so long it doesn't know me It's looking at my kids like I'm bossy Bang, 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 ayy Hey yo, Idris, tell them what they're gonna take the piss One step, you step out to that turn up in a disc Comfortable on me physically fit I'm me brown and sweet just like the chocolate Yo Wiley, them ones sound like me They done a pussy pretty with the upper body Shut up in the city with me but y'all pussy <laughs> Every man want piece of me The buck of them a pop and them a bone weed Man want wine behind me, me have to move crime dusty uh-huh. I'm looking for a brother who got hella pound Oh seven nine baby, I'm a hammer to the shop Came to rap, you know, do my thing Sabi put me on the gram, you know, remix thing Hoi Tai Wiley with the Pacino flow Godfather part 2, call me De Niro I came to win, battle me, the assassin Disrespect, man, get a slap on the chin Man a king, me not top Bow Larry, man a big DJ Hawks, Megan and Harry Bossy, man a bossy I make your girl melt like a toast. I've been this way someday And I write for myself no ghosty Bossy, bossy Godfather, man a OG Man a half humble, man a bossy Sing a rag a rhythm like it's so free Bossy, house on the coast G My money so long it doesn't know me It's looking at my kids like I'm bossy I fly around the world cause I'm bossy Man a half humble, man a bossy 
Next, we got another one from Armani Rain along with Logan. This one's called Back and Forth. So listen close. This is the vocal. Cool London. Let's go. So last year I released a four-track EP entitled The Ronin, produced by Will Miles. And these next two tracks are remixes of two of those tunes. First up, we've got a track called Mic Check, featuring Armani Rain and Miss T. And that is reworked by DJ Hybrid. And after that, we've got another track called Drifting, remixed by the American producer KC. After that, we're going to get into the conversation with Armani Rain. So enjoy this. Cool London, this is the vocal. Mic check, one, two, 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 two
original, I dubbed to a platinum And every basement in front of us will fatten them We reduce the dance floor to smoke and ashes Setting fires like Khaleesi, we're dragging them Blow up your whole angle like dynamite In a brown paper bag, best get out my line of sight Cause it's a raid, invade your whole compound Gunner for the glory, I'ma shine my battle light You can count your bars, I'ma count my blessings you can list your props, I'ma list the lessons that I teach by example when I take up the mantle. That's Many right. others trying, but they simply can't hold a candle. Call me Godzilla, spit heat from my throat, my friend. Nuclear blast, and taking down Tokyo, and then the cycle repeats as the phoenix approaches the end. Alpha and Omega rising up from the smoke again. Up from the smoke again. Say that you've been in it, nor is that all. 
create my own prison In a conflict I create my own schism Reflecting on my current condition I lament my decisions and I'm begging forgiveness Cause my compulsions and procrastinations Often get the best of me, I'm not smashed or wasted Nah, my addiction is my fascination The self-sabotage of my ambassador case I use regrets cutting edge to carve on my flesh Strip away all the layers so there's nothing left I'm exposed, called a prey, she's my minaret Taking my hand, eat the way, now my feet are wet Cause she's leading me above the rage of waters of self-flagellation Her lone arms my altar Making my way in my self-created purgatory Labor in my penance, I can't afford to falter No matter how far I'm Indeed, Cool London. This has been the vocal. The second Friday of every month. 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you're in London, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. So stay tuned. Gonna have that conversation with Armani Rain starting in just a few seconds. 
but I want to thank you for joining me tonight and we're definitely going to see you next month ladies and gentlemen this is The Vocal and I am Valiant MC signing out easy This is crazy because we've we've uh, we've now collaborated a few times and we speak via text all the time. But this is the first time you and I have have talked actually. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. So let's 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 uh, let's go back. Um, I first uh, knew about you because of the Substitution Crew, and I think even before you were uh, involved with them, I, I knew about them anyway. But Let's talk about Little Armani Rain before the drum and bass. What what was uh, childhood like for you? Kind of give me a little nutshell, but talk about your own musical indoctrination. And I'm not talking about the music that you got from your parents or siblings or whatever. I'm talking about the first music that you kind of discovered on your own and kind of how that played a role in you growing up. It's actually funny because I didn't gather much influence per se from my parents because my mother was mother was huge into tina turner and things like that and as much as you know as beautiful as that music is um i grew up in chester pennsylvania before moving to jersey in my high school years and it was a pretty rough neighborhood and um my first original love of hip-hop came probably with krs1 my philosophy things like that and just the the poetic nature of that so i've always i was a hip-hop head first before anything but do you remember Um, do you remember the first hip-hop you ever heard really i would like to say it was krs1 it's probably something before that i mean i'm trying to date these things properly i was huge into the fat boys i was huge into you know all that stuff back then so but my first like hardcore like i want to do that was definitely KRS one for sure. Um, now, the first time you said to yourself, "I want to do that," and then I want to rap. You tried it. How old were you? Man, I can't even pick an age, bro. I feel like I've been rapping in some capacity forever. Like there, even like before, I was like, "Oh, I want to try to be an MC." Nothing like that. Just writing poetry. I've always written poetry. If there's anything I gathered from my mother it is for this the love of poetry itself so i would just write poetry non-stop um but the first time i ever wanted to rap was around the caris one day so very early on uh and i used to just rap in front of my parents or you know the, the kids on the corner or whatever just like you know little kid stuff <laughs> not, nothing nothing crazy but the more and more I listened to rappers like Karis One, the Kumo D's, uh, that's when I started being like, okay, like let's let's really freak this. And then you start hearing the rock hymns of the world, and then, you know, and, and and the elevated pens of those guys, and that's when it really started to get serious. Do you remember the first rap album you ever bought? It had to be Karis Ones. I remember the first one that I blew out the decks was like the thing that I had on repeat more than any hip hop album I've ever had was probably Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted. Mm, I remember seeing ads for that in Thrasher Magazine and being like, what is that? Yeah, it was a very interesting time because, you know, I had grown up on on New York hip hop that entire time. 
uh, growing up, but I feel like that's like <laughs> that was a tumultuous time for hip hop, and like when things really flipped on its head and got extremely visceral and very real. Um, and uh, I, I remember it just like the aggression of that was was just hit different, you know. I was always into the New York hip hop, like the Run DMCs, my Adidas, and all those things that you know when they linked up with Kiss and like all that stuff was super super prolific. Um, but I think the at that time too, uh, and you can mind you, I come from a very religious family, and and it was very much about being structured and things like that. Hip hop was essentially taboo. It was it was not supposed to be something I was listening to. So running and buying an album of my own, I was basically just cutting tapes off my friends or whatever, just to just to get a taste of it for that love of it. But the first one I actually like bought with my money, yeah, it was was definitely cute. So. Did you get involved with any other of the uh, any of the of the hip hop elements, or were you just act strictly interested in rhyming? Um, no. Uh, I tried dancing for a bit, and I admit to this day that that is just not my <laughs> wheelhouse. <laughs> it's just not my bag, man. You know, I got my little two step, but I'm good with it. My rapper <laughs> hands, so to speak. Um, graffiti. I was better with the pen than I was with the can. Yeah. So. You know, um, terrible DJ, horrible. I might do you at a barbecue for a little bit, but it's just for fun and nobody cares. But uh, M saying was definitely the the one thing I honed in on. All right, a lot of people know this already, but you got into battle rap before it became a big money sport. So <laughs> how, how so how did you get into that particular realm? Honestly, uh, there comes a point when street ciphers you know there's only so much you can do and one thing will eventually lead to another especially when you're traveling the streets of philly and in ciphers you know ciphers were just basically battles especially then when everybody was freestyling back in the day you know when you have battles now everything's written with months of preparation and things like that but every cipher was just a battle with a bunch of people you didn't know it was about stepping into a random corner or somewhere and people beatboxing or whatever they had instrumentals, maybe if, if you got lucky. But it was really just like you'd hear somebody rap and you'd try to jump in the middle of it and spit something even better. And like it was, that's all it ever was, was, uh, and something I apply to now is, is you just did it for the respect of it. So one thing led to another, just constantly hunting for that respect uh it just led me into getting into battles there's only so many house parties you can do before you're like somebody says they're better than you and then you have to prove them wrong and one thing leads to another and next thing you know i'm searching for battles <laughs> you know so um it was it was really an organic kind of thing man i just hunted it down just to you know I had been going through a lot with school and working and trying to get into the military and not getting in and things like that and just trying to find my way before I eventually started competing. So, okay. So talk about that for one second. You, you said not, you, you were not able to get into the military? No, I was, you can't see my fingers right now, but they're very close together. I was about this close to joining the military going in as a, as higher than uh, entry level. I took JRTC in high school, went to a bunch of military camps. Uh, it was, you know, the government preys on those who lost their way, so to speak. And the benefits of being in the military are fantastic. I come from an entire military family from right. top to bottom. Um, I respect it for what it is. And, 
you know, it was a good thing for me at the time. Uh, unfortunately, due to circumstances before that, I had two screws in my elbow. So all that time that I spent, ace my ASVAB, everything, um, ready to go in, they actually denied me at the last minute after about three years of hard work and then leaving me hanging for a year and a half at the last minute, they just randomly said no. See, nowadays, <laughs> nowadays they'd let you in. <laughs> They've come back to me like, hey, man, you know, we might be able to get you now. I'm like, uh, no, it's too late, buddy. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, and to be, keep it real with you, and I, I still agree with this, um, it's not a bad gig, you know? Um, that's a controversial statement, but, uh, you know, I, I stand by it. It's, you know, if you can, if you don't have any choice, there are worse options out there now, oh, absolutely. especially this day and age, there's a whole lot of options for you. And, you know, I wouldn't do it if you're not ready to do that. But if you have nothing, man, benefits are fantastic. All right. So let's get to uh let's get to the good stuff this is obviously a uh, drum and bass oriented show how did you happen sure. to get into drum and bass and this is one of those interesting questions because there is a perception uh of drum and bass mcs that we are all failed rappers which is why we do <laughs> drum and bass um every time I hear it. and it's uh and it's interesting because you know one of the reasons that I think American MCs, there's been a lot of resistance to American MCs kind of breaking in globally. And I think part of it is because we come from a completely different sensibility, and that is hip hop. So how did you happen to get involved in this genre of music that to the casual observer seems completely different? Ironically, through battle rap. Really? Absolutely. Um, I was doing uh, battle rap on the radio. Uh, 103.9 Zulu and the fam, they used to have a, a battle competition every Friday and you would call in and battle cats over the phone. So I kind of got through my battle years, uh, a little bit of recognition through that. My name started spreading around a little bit. Um, and I had a friend who had a radio station at Camden County College, a little pirate John, a uh, little small college radio station. And he said, yo, why don't you come up and battle this dude? And I was like, absolutely anywhere anybody ever asked i'm there you know so i went up there and he never showed up so we basically spent 45 minutes of me just freestyling over beats just to kill time you know and then randomly he says hey man um i'm gonna put something on try to rap over it he says that cool and i'm like as long as it's not country you can go ahead and do what you want now let me just go ahead and interject i like country music now for those people out there relax <laughs> It's not my go-to, but I respect it more than you I did. You don't want to upset Trump country. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last people I'm worried about. But uh, <laughs> um, Shout out Lil Nas X. Anyway, so <laughs> he, uh, he said, hey, why don't you try rhyming over this? And he put on drum bass. I didn't know what that was at the time, but it was new. It was fresh. And this is the part that cracks me up about people who say that MCs who jump into drum and bass are just failed hip-hop MCs. Look, man, uh, this music is about a vibe. It always has been, or at least to me. And when I heard it, I caught that vibe. It sounded fresh. It sounded new. Uh, someone who loved hip-hop, who loved bass CDs, who, loved, who loves the sounds that you know create these different soundscapes. Like It, it was super, super fresh to me, and, and I thought it was cool. Now, I sucked. <laughs> when he put it on, you know, I was doing it, you know, but it 
was new. But uh, for that 15 minutes that we did that session, I was like, man, that was fresh. And then we got done, and I was like, man, I want to hear more. I want to hear more of this. And he was like, yeah, I'll take you out to a rave, show you around, show you, meet you some people. And he handed me a uh, red mixtape, Suppin's Jungle. It was DJ SS, uh, MC Foxy, and MC Skibbity. And I've said it a million times. I've said it to them. They know how much I love them. That tape changed my life. Like, that thing was on repeat like you have no idea. Hearing the, like, a mix like that that I have never heard before in hip-hop, the energy that went behind it, you know, and then hearing these two MCs, two completely different vocal styles just bouncing off each other, blew my mind lyrically and, and sonically. And I was like, this is it. This is what I got to, I'm doing this. And for the longest time, I tried to take my hip-hop style and, and their hip-hop style and blend it into one. Anyone who can tell you from my early days said, oh, you tried to sound like Skibbity and Foxy. It's 1,000% true. Every American MC has done it. Uh, for those who lie to you and say they haven't, they're, they're lying. There's probably only two MCs on the planet who I think didn't do that. Track is one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah. like, yeah. Posse D, Dub 2. That's about, that's about uh, it. Dub two. Everybody, See, I, everybody I, else. I talked to Dub two, <laughs> and I remember I actually talked to him a couple years back, and uh, talked to him. He's like, "Yeah, well, you know, you know, I just tried ripping off Rhyme Time," and I was like, "Oh, was right, like, duh, <laughs> duh." And everybody else I talked to is like, "Yeah, I tried ripping off GQ." Like that's just even I did, look, man. I, every, even, I was already doing. Look, at the end of the day, any good MC, especially in hip hop, is a student of the game. We take elements from everyone that you came up and watch i still do it whether it's the versatility of mood swings of kendrick to the the syllable content of eminem to the way royce the five nine recreates bar structures to you know like the storytelling of slick rick to you know what i mean like you try to make sure that you learn from those who came before you it's the same thing with with um with drum and bass it's just like the breath control of a harry shotta the 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 tenacity of skibbity the voice of of foxy the 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 godlike sound of gq the the hip-hop lyrical style of dynamite like you still watch these people and learn sp another super lyricist like you take these things and you you adapt and, and you add them on to your uh infinity stones so to speak <laughs> you know, yeah yeah absolutely it's like Anyone who who doesn't do that, uh, you know, everyone does it, especially in hip hop. So, you know, you're damn right I did. So, at the time that you, uh, at the time that you kind of got involved with substitution, how did that happen, and who was in substitution at the time? Uh, substitution. So first, I was with Ill Skills, which was um, Swing Kid, DVA. They brought me in. They were part of the crew, and I was hanging with Rarby Kai, who was Bishop at the time. Um, and they introduced me to Mason, the Gasm crew, uh, Mason, D Star, Trust, uh, Ixia, and they brought me in, and I went everywhere with them. And at the time, substitution were the ones throwing the parties in in Philly. Uh, shout out Henry. He was like the gatekeeper, so to speak. And at that time, I treated it just like I did hip-hop battles. It was like, I, I want to be involved. I want to help. I want to make this big. You know, I want to I want to jump in these parties. I'm, everyone's having a good time. I want to be on stage. I want to perform. I want to rap. I want to rap. You know, because hip-hop's like, I want to rap. Um, that was actually detrimental because the first time I got on stage, he was like, he's not ready. All he wants to do is rap. That was the spark I needed of somebody telling me I can't do it. 
<laughs> and he knows that. You know, we've talked about it and laughed about it. He was like, he's, he's just one of those guys who's going to rap over every mix and yada, yada, yada. And I did. And that's when Mason and all of them took me under their wing and showed me. Like, I was raised by DJs. They were like, hey, man, this isn't about you. This is about the music. So try to find a way to become an extra instrument to, to, to add to the music. And, you know, that's what I tried to do. At the time, it was uh, Messinian, uh, Armin was still back then, Taryn, all those cats. And uh, I just tried to put myself everywhere I could possibly be to show that I wanted this more than just because it was there. You know, like I really wanted to be involved. I loved the music. It, it, it felt good to, to be involved and to add to. Now, for those listening to this, they might not be aware that Philadelphia was actually really, really integral to drum and bass in the United States. Um, I'd say more than any other city outside of San Francisco and LA. And there came a time where I, I became aware of you through substitution. I, I talked, I've always kind of maintained some contact with Taryn, um, uh, Misty for those that are listening. Um, then at some point there was this shift and you became much more visible in the stateside drum bass scene. So explain how you kind of, I, I hate to asking people to oh, explain how you got famous. I mean, how, how, how did you, how did you, yeah. How did you uh, manage to climb the rungs as it were? Uh, because that I remember the, I saw you on stage with sharpness and then I saw you on stage with sharpness and Fotech and craze and all these things happened in, I guess in my mind, it seems like a relatively short amount of time. So explain how you kind of rose through the ranks, explain the experience from your perspective. I think you hit the nail on the head already. Philadelphia was integral of location alone being integral to that. Like I hate saying words like success, uh, uh, to to being involved, everyone came through Philly. It was New York, Philly, D.C., you know, and obviously Baltimore was mixed in that. And because they were so close to each other, uh, you got to meet anybody and everybody within a two-hour drive. Yeah, absolutely. So whatever, through Philly on a three-day-and-week basis, you know what I mean? I, I met everyone through there, whether, you know, traveling around with Mason and, and going to New York to meet everybody from Concrete Jungle to TC Islams to Soul Slingers to the Diesel Boys that were in Philly, uh, um, Carl Kay, who made me my first residency at Forward, uh, that's how I met Ray Keith, to SS, and, you know, Kenny Ken. Kenny Ken was extremely instrumental when he came to Philly. He was like, yo, man, I'm going to take you out. And he did. And SS came through, did the same thing. And it was just like, hey, man, like, a lot of people that came through, man, we just sat and talked and I've always loved the DJs that I can just sit and have a conversation with because that transfers to the stage that transfers to the mix. None of us are sitting around practicing these things. The thing I love about DJs is it's the closest thing you can get to a live band act and, and still in an electronic form. You know, they just go out there and play some records and they feel the vibe of the crowd. It's the same thing. It's just like, we're all having a conversation. It's just one giant house party. It always has been. I don't care if it's 200 people or 80,000 people. It's the same, you know, or at least you try to feel that. That's really all it was, man. It was just a lot of people came through. Like I said, Kenny Ken put me under his wing. I will always be thankful for that man. And SS did the same. He took me up to New York. We did Boo. Uh, Craze. Craze was 
legendary. And uh, another he came up. We just hit it off as friends. Uh, we started traveling around. He took me literally everywhere. I've seen 90% of the globe because of him. Um, and then Goldie, obviously. I went to WMC. We used to go down there every time. And it was never like I was trying to push myself on stage. Like, da 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 you know, oh, you got to get on. Henry would. Henry would always try. Like, you got to put my man on. You got to put my man on. And I was like, <laughs> no. And I would just, <laughs> I would just step back and be like, it's cool, you know? And then, uh, randomly we went to some party and, and, uh, I believe Rage couldn't make it. And, uh, Goldie was like, yo, you're going on with me. And I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> you know, like, cool, man. And we went on and then he came to Philly after that and we just hit it off. We've been the best of buzz ever since, like my older brother. And it's just, it's the same. Andy, it's the same way. <laughs> Andy's, we, Andy and I would talk, GQ and I would talk, we'd hit the stage, and he'd be like, yo, man, you get on, I'd be like, no, nah, you do your thing, he's like, look, if I invite you on, <laughs> it's it's all love, because I never wanted to step on any toes, I was never that dude that was just like, yo, I gotta get on the mic, or why don't you give me the mic, or standing behind you, so I, you know, I was never that dude, I was just like, hey, when my time comes, you know, I, I hope to bless the mic with whoever's there, so... So for you, it's you're, you're saying it's really about the, the relationship, personally, that you have with these people, then? Yeah, they just came through and, and we would just go to these parties. Philly was great for that, especially back in the days. Nothing was structured like it is now. Everything right. was warehouse parties and love. Like it was just like you just came through and got grimy, you know? So <laughs> we'll hook up this generator and party till the feds come. Right. right that's right. how it goes. And then we had the club nights and that's when like the, the bigger guys came through. But Philly was good for that. And we had a lot of really talented MCs unselfish talented mcs in philly and we took it very very seriously there was a hierarchy of just like all right look like we need to make sure this is dope and protected and, and, and understand it like because we're all hip-hop heads too so we took it very seriously lyrically and, 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 and stuff like that so that was a big deal to us and yeah and philadelphia is no is sticks out in my mind a lot partially because of carl k and dub two uh seeing them on flyers way way back but i think the the thing that a lot of people don't really get and you you kind of brought it up is that there were kind of multiple like i hear multiple crews um that overlapped and seemed to coexist um yeah and especially you know especially when diesel boy moved to town uh, he started a platinum there was substitution there was the gasm crew and then yeah there were these mcs there was you and Messinian and Sharpness and Misty and uh, I don't know if Dub Two was kind of out of the picture by then, and I'm uh, probably forgetting other people that were uh, involved. So it's not just you know obviously New York and DC being close was a big part of it, but Philadelphia itself was a very unique case. Um, sure. At least out east, anyway. It although I had never been, I have never been there for an event. It had a big effect on me seeing what drum and bass could be stateside because at that time, I think there was a lot, there was a lot of awareness of, I don't want to call, I don't want to say that there was like a, an anti-American bias, like I'm bitter about it, but I think there was some natural doubts about uh, American drum and bass at the time and seeing what Philadelphia was able to produce not only in terms of product but in terms of talent i think had a big impact on like you know me and a lot of a lot of other americans so the people listening you were able to tour with kenny ken and uh tour with 
Fotek and Craze and tour with Goldie and tour with Andy C. And that's even before Dubstep came along. I am curious, though, as to how Tech Dubs came along and what happened to the concept, because it didn't seem to me like it lasted a real long time. Mm. Um, how did it come along? I guarantee you all of these stories start the same way. Cup of coffee. <laughs> it's just myself, Sharpness, and Fotec sitting in Miami at a WMC one morning, having a cup of coffee, talking about our love for hip-hop and drum and bass, and how we wanted to merge the two together. Not like it hadn't been done before, but just, you know, in a, in a different way, and how we wanted to start this really cool collective. Wait, wait hold on. Before, was, you go, before you go further with that, Fotec, that was a strange... Oh, not a strange. I don't want to say it was strange, but it was an interesting detour for him, considering what he had put out up until that point so was there like a like it was like a strategy with him like did he specifically want to veer away from the kind of stuff he'd been doing nope just a regular natural flow of of just wanting to create and uh i think everybody in that crew specifically again not that it was something new or other people like this but crazy said it before you can ask him we all have musical add man like we love so many different (laughs) styles of music i want to make them all so it wasn't like a it wasn't like a i don't want to do this anymore so i'm going to veer over here and do that like no i want to do this and that (laughs) you know it's just like why limit so how did you get uh craze involved we asked him (laughs) 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 we just just told him the concept like hey man like craze is another one you know we traveled the entire world you tell me a drum bass that, that Craze didn't play some hip-hop in it. Like, you can't take it out of them. It's not going to happen. You couldn't take Miami bass out of them. Right, right. Trust me. We had conversations. It was just like, hey, just like, I'm going to play a Miami bass set tonight. Like, okay, man, do you. You know, like, we never feared anything like that. We never feared change or what people liked or didn't like about it. We just did it, you know? And trust me, we got blowback for sure. But What, what do you mean? Well, not everybody. Drum and bass is, look, Drone bass is, uh, is very guarded for a reason. And people can make comments about the inner circle or yada, 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 but it has to be protected. It's, it's, it's pure for a reason because the culture takes care of it. So well, you have outsiders trying to change it. I, I wanted to ask you about, about a little bit about this. Like we're kind of detouring here, but when I talk, <laughs> when I talk to, when I talk to Connie Khan, he said specifically, I said something about, you know, People in drum and bass are very protective of the culture. Uh, MCs are protective. And, you know, I, Connie, Connie said basically that drum and bass MCs don't let the younger generation in, which I can't disagree with. Um, why, why do you think people in drum and bass who love drum and bass are so overprotective of the culture? Because they're afraid of what has happened to other genres happening to it. It's plain and simple. Look, th- there's. There's lots of reasons to be uh, protective of your music and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like no matter how commercialized hip hop became, there was always still underground hip hop. No matter how commercialized punk became, there was always underground punk. So it seems like while Shy FX was able to get on the charts, it's it seemed like a lot of people were still kind of like, hmm. We got to make sure that this all stays like completely authentic. We got to make sure that we are all the ones doing this. We have, it's, it, it's a very circle the wagons kind of thing. Like, do you think this is no. a deep, there's, there's a deeper reason? No. The difference is, is the re- the people you talk to, um, for lack of a better phrase, are the gatekeepers of it. So, of course, they're going to be the ones that are going to say, yeah, we're not doing that. 
but at the end of the day, uh, I've said it a million times. It's the it's the it's the pie. You can call it the wedge. You know, you're gonna get eighty percent bullshit. And, excuse me. You're gonna get eighty percent crap and twenty percent real. The difference is, no matter how big it gets, both of those numbers are gonna grow. And you have to make sure that there's someone there to protect that twenty percent. So I don't blame anyone for protecting it. You need that there. But at the same time, you also have to let it grow. And it's a natural progression of things. You technically can't stop it from doing that. People who are really part of where techno came from in Detroit were afraid of afraid of like the whitening of techno in terms of like how it became commercialized and sort of taken out of the hands of the people that created it. Um, but I mean, like outright, the way kind of the way rock and roll was taken out of the hands of the black artists that created it. And so I've, right. al- I've always wondered if there was uh, an element of overprotection of drum and bass because of uh, that. the racial and cultural roots of drum and bass. It's a long pause, man. <laughs> um. It's not, open thoughts here. It's an interesting take. I understand it. I, I I understand that. This is the thing: is I'm never going to say you're wrong or completely wrong about something when there's merit to it. Um, whether that is what's going on, I can't claim because I'm not I'm not part of that ilk. So I I don't I can't say that. There's I see it as a whole, and I see so many different people from all parts of the world doing amazing things. If I agreed to that, it would be the same as me agreeing that Americans don't make as good a drum and bass. I put that all in the same category to me specifically, but I, I wasn't there at the start of drum and bass. So I can't, I don't know if I have the right to have an opinion on that either way. That's a very good point. All right. So let's, let's move along to, uh, the year 2007. And the reason I'm bringing that year up in particular is because that is when uh, the industry started to shift a lot and you saw dubstep starting to become quite big. And a lot of people uh, in drum and bass made the jump. They actually switched altogether. They jumped out of drum and bass. They jumped, you know, uh, fully into dubstep uh, when dubstep was still percolating as a new thing. Um, And it really from what I could see, it really changed the entire musical economy of dance music in North America. Um, some people were able to make a complete switch. Um, you know, E1 became Kill the Noise and, you know, Bro Safari, which you have done a ton of touring with. Um, you were one of these people who's been able to make um, a very chameleon-like, I don't want to say a shift, but you were able to adapt um, keeping your hands in multiple pots and stuff like that without losing touch of where you came from, without losing touch of the things that you still liked. I dropped out of drum. I dropped out of drum and bass for a while. So it was hard to see what was happening after a while because I was gone. So you were on the ground. So what was happening around you at the time? And I don't know. How did the current take you? It's funny because a lot of people blame dubstep for the downfall, excuse me, the decline of drum and bass in America, when I never saw it that way. Um, the first thing that hit America bad was the recession. Once the economy broke, 
you couldn't pay for huge parties anymore. Right. But when that declined, people stopped coming. That was the first thing before anything else. Now, if you want to talk about dubstep's effect as uh, dubstep's actual effect, um, you hit the nail on the head already. Look, we had a talk earlier about how it was hard for Americans to break into the circuit period. You had phenomenal people like Infiltrata making crazy tunes. You know what I mean? You had E1 making crazy tunes, Evil Intent, and they just weren't for whatever reason you want to name, getting the traction they needed. Um, and at the same time, the same reasons I say we used, we created Tech Dubs is because we wanted to continue to create. It didn't matter what it was. I came from hip hop. I can't just say that I'm strictly drum and bass. And, you know, I wave the flag because I love it. I loved it. I still love it more than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like hip hop and drum and bass, they're right in tune with each other, in my opinion. You know, for me, right. um, so dubstep was the same. It was like the outside argument is that it was drum and bass simplified for the American audience because you didn't get the science, which we all love, the mathematics of it all, the complexity of drum and bass that makes it so beautiful isn't for everyone. It's just not. Right. Not everybody can handle that. And uh, when you broke it down and you still took those beautiful sounds and you not simplified it because. I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean? It's just like it was easier to feed to the American audience. I still don't think that was part of the decline because drum and bass was still doing well. I was still doing shows with Andy. I was still doing shows with Goldie. I was still traveling the nation. Now, it wasn't as widespread as before or what people thought it was, but we were still on the ground in the trenches doing what it do. We've said it before. We said it while it was happening. It was like people are saying drum and bass is back. It never left. Uh, well, no, I never. The music never left, but you, you, but you have to admit though that there was a a distinct uh, reduction. I will say when it comes to the size of the audience, smaller club nights disappeared. You know, a lot of people. There were a lot of people that quit DJing because there was just. It seemed like there was not a lot there for them. Um, I don't think that was happening either way. I, look, I'm not going to say that it wasn't happening. I'm just saying that I don't think that dubstep was the reason. That's all I'm saying. I can't blame all of it on dubstep. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not blaming dubstep. I'm saying that dubstep's uh, the ripple effects had sure. were I, uh, coincided maybe with uh, drum and bass's downturn for a while. And there were definitely people, I think, that gravitated towards dubstep as an alternative and so you know it was new up here what's that yeah it was new it was fresh it you know it sounds great not all of it but there's not all of drum bass sounds great there's not all of hip-hop sounds great so whatever on that but yeah a lot of people i guess you can say jump ship i don't know if they jump ship because it was just something new or if they had to you know a lot of these people made these career moves because they didn't really have a choice and it was dope and they and they were dope doing it and they took it and ran with it and they blew it up to what it is your top you know producers at the time were all drum bass heads right still right like so know, who, who there's, uh, there's drum bass dna of all of it so who brought you uh who brought you on stage the first time when it came to like doing a dubstep show dubstep show yeah <laughs> Twelfth Planet, yeah. But John and I go way back. John, John was one of the first people I met in LA. 
uh, when I first went over there, D-Star took me over there many, many moons ago. And the first people I ever met when I went over there to meet with the drums crew, Spectre, shout out, Jesso, Word, 12 Planet, who was Infiltrate at the time, who was also an MC, uh, and Dre MC. So we've been super close forever. He was also a part of Tech Dubs. He was the first one to, to do a full dubstep show. I've jumped on stage here and there, but. So let's, uh, let's peel back, uh, peel back the layers on you a little bit. You are, um, uh, a very well known, uh, video game fiend. Now, remember, I'm not involved in gaming at all. I've always been bad at video games, so I never followed the gaming industry. But you seem to have your hands in a lot of pots, including the gaming industry. So tell me uh, about that part of your life, because that's something I know almost nothing about when it comes to you. How nerdy do you want me to get? Oh, get as nerdy as you want. It's all right. Honestly, um, I've I've loved video games obviously since a child. It's never left. It's been a it's been a beautiful pastime. I see it as an art form, and many in the industry will echo that sentiment. So it's it's really nothing more than that. It's I've said since the beginning that it was going to be the most successful medium out there, out besides music, and it's taken over. It trumps the movie industry, you know, tenfold. So it's the immersion of it. The interactivity. If I, you could watch a movie or you can be in a movie. Right. It's really just that simple. Now, are you involved on an industry level? Um, I have been creating music for video games, whether it be adverts or in soundtracks or, and things like that. I'm trying to do some voiceover work and things of that nature. What kind of uh, have you done voiceover work outside of that? I have done some things. Uh, actually, if anyone ever got the Goldie app, I actually, uh, Mason and I put together a two hour hip hop mix where I was acting to be a VJ and we did a whole like Grand Theft Auto style, like people calling in and things of that nature. It was really cool. cool. We just played two hours of hip hop in and out with commercials and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Um, it's really fun. I've got some other opportunities possibly on the table and those are things I'm trying to pursue for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, where do you, where do you see yourself going? I mean, now that we're, you know, we're entering into like, what is the, the second half of our lives? And by the way, that's not to say that you can't continue doing music. I've talked about this with almost everybody I've interviewed. A lot of people are making the best music of their lives at at like middle age. Where do you see yourself going in terms of creative, not necessarily completely musical directions when you're talking about your career moves? I actually, right, right where we're talking about right now, I would love to be more involved in the movie and video game industry, doing voiceover work and creating soundscapes for those mediums. Um, also bringing other people into to those worlds, and that that's really where I'm trying to head, as well as create music. I'll never stop creating music. I'm, I'm making better music, in my opinion. Excuse me. I'm in more tune with my music now than I have, and that just comes with age. Um, but that's that's definitely the direction I'm trying to head in. Any uh, any broadcasting type things, be it video or audio. I would love to. I'd love to. To I've done some. I've hosted some events. Uh, I would love to continue doing that more. There's not much I don't want to do. It's, it's always such a funny question. It's like you know, you do ten things and then ten more things pop up that that, that the mind reaches out to. So, so what? Uh, I want to I want to go back to, and this is totally a subject change here, but I want to go back to uh, something you brought up earlier in the conversation. Um, you uh, you say you came from a very religious family. So talk about that a little bit, and are you still? 
in the same way or have you kind of evolved in your own your own direction <laughs> this is a deep this is a very deep dive yeah um i was my family um is super religious mostly baptist and i was a christian i can say that i claimed christianity for 16 years before i went through personal issues i'm not really trying to dive into right now but somewhat of an awakening to uh made me question things a little bit but one thing i never questioned is the faith so um, I tell people all the time we have a problem with organized religion. You can have a problem with organized religion, but the faith itself is real. And it's the most powerful thing on the planet, and therefore people will choose to weaponize it. So, you know, you have to find it within you. And uh, it's it's the, the nurture thing, too. If I grew up, my family was Muslim, I'd be Muslim. If my family was Catholic, I'd be Catholic. And at that point in time, when I started to realize these things, is when I just came back and accepted whatever faith meant to me. So, you know, that made me want to deep dive because actually, you know, at the end of the day, they're all pretty much based around the same set of morals. So how do you manifest that now? I mean, are you still a churchgoer or do you find, do you find spiritual connections in your day-to-day life? I find spiritual connections in my day-to-day life. I mean, what is a church to you is the question. You know what I mean? Well, I'm that, asking that, what, what is that, it to, what is it to you? Changes. Um, I believe in a higher power and I feel that regularly. I still pray before shows. I pray for my children. I pray for humanity itself. Uh, to give that, to give that being a name is not something I'm willing to do. And I feel that it would understand that. Um, but, you know, you can't, I cannot deny the, the feeling of that. You know, when I, I uh, uh, a guy whose hair I cut uh, pretty frequently, I go out to his house, and he's got a, a fairly big plot of land, uh, a lot of woods, and he's got a, this big pond in his yard. And the pond is not fed by any streams or anything like that. Um, and I was like, well, so... Is it, what, just like a stagnant water, like a swamp? And he's like, no, we got, he's like, we got fish living there and stuff like that. I was like, oh, you stocked it. And he's like, no, no. Uh, Apparently, a lot of the birds that hunt fish will sometimes bring fish from other places into other bodies of water. And I was actually telling my wife about that today because we happened to see him in a, uh, a magazine. He actually does foraging for like mushrooms and other like wild produce and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. I was like, it's interesting how nature sort of takes care of itself. And it's one of those things where like, you know, a lot of people like they see God or they see, you know, the cosmic order or whatever in certain things. Um, and frequently I see it in nature, especially where humans are not involved. Um, so is there, are there particular things that happen or particular settings in which you feel more connected to that? I think that changes a lot as you go through life. And, um, I find it, a lot when in 
in instances where I need guidance, and it's not always there. Um, Lord knows I'm not perfect. I've made many, many mistakes in my life, but uh, when it breaks it down and I, and I try to find peace is probably where I find it the most. But even in what you're saying, stories like that, just to see the spirituality in that is, is deep. And I'm one of those people who says all the time that God and science can coexist in the same thing. You know, I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to. Uh, I, yeah, I always say, uh, who, who is God but the ultimate scientist? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So that's let's a deep one, man. That's, a, that's well, just, you know. <laughs> I don't know if we have the time to, to dive into <laughs> to my thoughts on that. Oh, we got we got all the time in the world. Fuck, I mean, this isn't. Uh, <laughs> while the show has has time limits, that doesn't mean that there can't be a. Go see the rest of the interview on my website. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Semper Fi for uh, a few minutes. Um, sure. Uh, it's a it's a concept in incubation. And it started out with uh, doing Belly Man's car bars, and for those uh, shout out Belly Man and uh, Riddle, absolutely. And those who uh, listen, if you go back to, I believe it is episode six of the Vocal Podcast with Inja, I, I want to say that is where you will hear the audio for that particular car bars. And it started off, it kicked off this idea. You were the one that coined the term Semper Fi. Yes. Okay. So where that term came from, from where for you? Honestly, we used, I used to wear shirts all the time that said USMC for the United States Marine Corps. SASASAS was not a thing at that time, but it's kind of funny that they flipped it and in no way, shape, form, or fashion people listening am I trying to say that that's where they got it from. I'm not. <laughs> but at the same time, it worked. It was like we were the foot soldiers of the, of the drone-based world. The MCs were like, were the grunts. Uh, it was cool that it said USMC, so that you know, it was a really simple thing. It's it's not that clever, but um, but I wanted to flip that on its head, and obviously, uh, the the motto for the Marine Corps is Semper Fidelis, so I wanted to take Semper Fi, and then we took today's slang of Fye and put it together, and we got Semper Fi. So it was definitely a, a shout out to just being the soldiers. Now you are, I would say, the the shepherd trying to herd all of us so what is the concept yes. of semper vi because this is this is something that's still kind of developing so do you have like kind of a concrete idea of what you would like semper vi to become sure i'm laughing at this shepherd comment because i don't want to be the thing is oh i don't know if you have a choice my friend i don't <laughs> <laughs> well, you started this i don't, I don't know man I, it wasn't just me it's a collective and that's the that's that's what i want this to be I don't want this to be about me and Dre didn't, it was, it was Dre and I in a conversation, Dre and track as well. And none, not the three of us, neither, none of us wanted to be the figurehead or the leader of any of this or, you know, it was just like, Hey man, like we've had these MCs here for a very long time, a ton of MCs. There's only eight of us on that car bars and there are plenty more spread out through the States. And we put that video out and I, 75% of the comments are, holy crap, we didn't know the Americans like drum and bass. And it's like, why did we take so long to do that? Like, that's crazy. And I take blame in that. Don't, I'm not, there's no holier than thou here. If anybody knows me, I'm not, I'm never going to be the guy that's like, you know, I was doing blah, blah, blah. No, I didn't do enough. America is so 
unintentionally cutthroat that even when we were just doing what we were doing it was seemed as competition it might be because a lot of us are hip-hop heads and that's just the way we're bred maybe i don't know but the point is it took us way too long to unify together to come up with something like that so it was really really beautiful when we all sat down and said yo this is what we want to do and within a week it was done and then within a month we had the video cut and it was out And it was just about that. So where do I want to see it going forward? This isn't about us, man. It's about the the next MCs coming up behind us. It's about those who just want to be a part of the movement of just spreading drum and bass as an American thing, just the way the same love that the UK shows it in other parts of the world. It's just that like, hey, man, we have a voice, too. You know, and, and we can rap and, and we love the music just as much as everybody else. Like we're out here, blood, blood, sweat and tears on a regular basis. And it's hard here. It's hard here, especially for American MCs, you know, because, yes, there are bad MCs out there who ruin it for everybody. You know, I'm never going to shy away from that either. I'm not trying to say it's all pickles and rainbows. I like pickles. Pickles. (laughs) Pickles and rainbows. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's like, you know, it's a lot of people out here who have been in the trenches for a very long time. And like I said, the people before us too, the Posse D's of the world, the Dub Twos, the you know, the Jamesonians, like God rest his soul, the T C Islams, like we've been doing this for a long time. And there are people who are doing it now in pockets like Ritter's running in SF, that the Colonel MCs, the, you know, the Dissidentes, there's, there's the Diggities, the, there's plenty of people out there who are representing the sound in its purest form, and it's, I just wanted to shed some light on that. We all did. It's funny, it was funny to see the comments uh, roll in. I would say, I would say probably 90, 95% of those comments were effusive in their positivity. Uh, and then the the few doubters in there were always like, eh, you guys sound like you're rapping, <laughs> which was funny to me, which while they thought it was kind of a slag on us, I always thought it was kind of a compliment. Like, yeah, that, of course, like we're distinctly American. We grew up on hip hop. They they didn't grow up on hip hop the same, the, the same way. That whole thing to me, yeah, it seemed long overdue. And it's funny, it kind of coincides with uh, a lot of these uh, MCs and vocalists who are now putting out their own albums, EPs, singles, producing large bodies of work. Obviously, DRS, he's got like over 200 singles, I think, at this point now. Plus, he's releasing his, what, his fourth or fifth album? Like, it's ridiculous. The guy's a machine. But like, you, you got Kappa released an album, Track released an album the same year, DRS released an album that same year, Harry Shotta just put out an EP, like, next year I'm putting out an album and an EP, like, all these people are putting out all this stuff vocally, um, and you're seeing that with singers and stuff like that, too. So, this brings me to my next question. What's that? Well, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm getting, to, I'm, this brings me to my next question. So you just put out an EP, (laughs) Um, which, by the way, uh, not to sound like a like a kiss ass, but it's a pretty slamming EP. Um, We're going to get back to that in a second. But there are a lot of people who are wondering where your drone bass album is. And I've asked you this a couple of years ago, I think. (laughs) So what's what's uh, are there plans for that kind of thing? Or are you just kind of taking everything as it comes and just doing whatever you feel like? A little bit of both. Um, the bigger plan initially was to make a hybrid album, was not to make just a straight drum and bass album. 
it was to make an album with drum and bass and hip hop both involved. Um, it will happen, but you know, I've been putting out freestyles and mixtapes hip hop wise forever. So that's, that's just never going to stop. Um, it's where I came from. It's my original roots, and I'm never going to shy from that. Uh, the drum and bass aspect is a little more intricate. Is there a certain, I don't know, you know, so I, I, I think of my own stuff, and I think of, uh, I want it, there's certain sounds that I want involved. There's like certain, certain vibes and certain concepts. I, I have a kind of like a firm idea of how, of what I want to present to the world, I guess you could say. Is there like something that you've got simmering in your head that's like, oh, I, I want it this way? Or yes. are you, oh, there is. Okay. And that's the, that's the gimme. And so you're looking for a way to, to bridge the gap with hip hop and drum and bass, which seems to be, by the way, <laughs> uh, it's funny. It seems to be almost like an elusive goal. I, I, it's uh, as much as hip hop and drum and bass have parallels and have overlapped a million times. It seems like people are still chasing that dragon. They're looking for like that perfect, I guess you could say a hybrid of the two or a perfect like bridging of the gap between the two. Um, I'm assuming that is kind of where you're going. Basically, it's been done. I'm just saying it hasn't been done on a large scale. It hasn't been done by. I don't know. I don't want to say it hasn't been done. On, it's, it's weird to say because, like you said, the DRSs and the tracks of the world are, are putting out beautiful music that I feel is doing just that. Um, for me, um, I want to do it in a different way. When it when it's ready, it, it will happen for sure. Just like everything else. Right on. Okay. All right. So before uh, before I let you go uh, into the night. Um, is there anything coming up that you kind of want to plug that you want to talk about that you, you know, is coming out that you're excited about? Obviously your EP, uh, is out. You've got videos for all of the tracks, correct? Correct. Actually, it's a, it was a concept album that we, uh, myself and mayhem released on his label strong. It's actually five tracks. We did five hip hop songs, uh, each a piece of the, each cover for each single. Uh, it was actually a final piece to the final cover art, and it was done that way on purpose because the four videos that we put together also pieced together, which we, re- we released separately. They always piece together like memento-style short film. Um, there's various shout-outs to Edgar Allan Poe and a bunch of little Easter eggs in there. So we just put that out on Scrong. It's out now. You can download it or stream it however you obtain your music. But yeah, uh, I'm really proud of that project. Uh, put out a, another project earlier this year with the Upbeats with our Society of Numbers moniker. That's another hip hop project you can check out. Uh, I am halfway through my next project. I'm not really willing to talk about, but it's there. And see, uh, you can't be doing that all the time. Oh, I don't want to talk man. about that. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the terrible move everybody does, but I'm doing it too. But I'm saying we're, we're working for sure. Is now is that is that thing that you don't want to talk about? Is that more of a hip hop project? Yes. Okay. So when when do you think we're gonna see that emerge into the world? The next thing? Yeah. I won't rush that. I'm halfway through, so that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot of good shows coming up. Uh, yeah, Goldie's coming over here. I noticed you're playing uh, the New York date, yeah. correct? Goldie 
Canadians coming over. We are playing the New York date. I've uh, done some shows with Bookham. We've got some STS9 stuff coming up. Uh, so just check it out. Uh, go to my website, uh, ArmaniRain.com. That's A-R-M-A-N-N-I-R-E-I-G-N.com. Uh, I will keep you guys updated with where I'm going to be. We've got a lot of stuff popping here in Atlanta. Atlanta is starting to come up again and emerge as a uh, uh, a hub for drum and bass. We've got Andy C this weekend. We've got Bookum the following weekend, the following weekend after that. Um, and we've got right before Thanksgiving, there will be a huge show called Jungle Bells with Dimensions, Upbeats, and DJ Cuber doing an exclusive DMB set. Ooh, so, uh, okay. Got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a great monthly here that goes on called Torch. Uh, it's free for everybody. And there's another crew that does a bi monthly called Elevate. Um, they bring people over. We just had Jumpin' Jack Frost through here. They had AMC through here. So Atlanta's coming up in the drum base, man. And, and I want to salute all those out there waving the flag. And uh, clothing wise, got anything new, uh, yeah. new in the pipeline? Yes, sir. I'm actually about to pump out all the new hoodies and winter gear. I'm a 38 project. Sure. Just keep an eye out for that. That will also be on the website. I do love a good graphic. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. The Ambergram stuff, uh, I've got some more of that coming through, but the next ones I put out a little more simplified um, just for a nice, clean, classy look. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to let you go. Kind of, hey, but, I appreciate uh, you. It was good finally talking to you, dude. For sure. For sure. All right, man. And, you, uh, I, appreciate, I, appreciate, I appreciate the look. Definitely, man. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. All right. Have a good night.
eating pie filling out of a can. There has been a disaster. Things are not good. Things are not good. You are in an underground bunker and you are running out of food. Oh, I'm so hungry. What do we got left? Pie filling. I thought we planned this better. All right, here's what's going to happen. First, I'm going to eat that pie filling. Then I'm going to eat you. The only way pie will ever be victorious over cake is if man, is if science figures out how to frost a pie. Why has this not been done? You're telling me in the history of dudes getting high. No dude ever turned to his friend and said, I have news for you. Drugs finally paid off. We're going to put frosting on that pie. This is the experience I've been waiting to have. Look, I've been smoking weed for 40 years. <laughs> been hoping for some kind of insight. All I can say is better late than never. Oh, wait, hold on a second. That's not frosting, it's paint. No, we're going to do it.